Kia ora, and welcome to the Dawn Chorus. It's Monday the 18th of October, and I'm Bernard Hickey for the Kaka. Today I wanted to talk about the Vaxathon and what might be about to happen with the government's position on COVID lockdowns, the closed borders, and what happens this summer. There's a lot of excitement about yesterday's Vaxathon, and understandably, we got over 130,000 doses into arms, uh, mostly second doses, but still um, big numbers and well above the 100,000 that people expected. Overall, uh, that was about 1% of the uh, population was added, if you like, to the to the vaxed total. And um, it was a record high day for Māori vaccinations, particularly first doses up and down the country. But the one number that stood out for me was the first dose vaccinations delivered in Auckland on Saturday. There were 1,888. Why is that important? Because at the moment, Māori are significantly lower vaccinated in Auckland than the rest of the population. And we now face an awful decision in the next couple of weeks about whether to push ahead and open up the economy and our society to remove those restrictions around the Auckland borders, to get down to something like level one in the next um, couple of months, and in particular for summer. Now you may ask, why does the decision have to be made in the next couple of weeks? Well, we know that we're likely to hit that key 90% threshold in Auckland later this week for the overall population. And remember, the government's been saying, without being very specific, that it wants to see the vaccination rate up over 90% before it starts to open up the economy, and in particular take Auckland out of those level three restrictions, which are so difficult. We're heading into our ninth, potentially our tenth week after a decision likely in Cabinet today. And the government knows that it's essentially losing its social licence for these types of very strict restrictions. It went into them, talking about them being short and sharp, in the same way that the restrictions last year were short and sharp. But of course, Delta has meant that is not happening. We've obviously um, loosened the restrictions slightly. So about 280,000 people in Auckland are now working under level three where they weren't at level four. That means they're moving around the city and the likes. Even though school is not going to open up today as it was supposed to after the school holidays, most people think it's going to open up in the next couple of weeks, which of course will significantly, significantly lift the opportunities for spreading. So Auckland is exhausted, and frankly, much of the rest of the country is as well with these sorts of restrictions, and particularly in the South Island, where of course they haven't had any cases there since last year, uh, there's a lot of not just grumpiness, but you know, real stress and pain in families and businesses all over the place. It's tough. <laughs> it really is. Uh, when you're not able to meet up properly with friends and family or do the planning for your businesses or your community groups and frankly just meet other people we're social animals and we can do it for four or five weeks but nine weeks it's really tough Uh, however it's not economically disastrous you might recall that last year in March uh, when people were starting to talk about the sort of strict lockdowns that we eventually had 
no one could quite understand what that would mean for the economy. And the assumption was it would mean a bit of a collapse, you know, 30 to 40 percent fall in GDP and, you know, massive unemployment. At some points, people were talking about 20 percent plus, And there was real fear that those sorts of lockdowns would hurt the economy. As it turned out, of course, the lockdowns here were relatively short and the economic damage in the long run wasn't much at all. In fact, we bounced back really strongly. And it's the reason that now, even though we're in quite strict lockdowns, remember Auckland still has level four restrictions at its boundaries, most of the business community and the economists and the Reserve Bank are reasonably positive about the future, as are the business confidence and consumer confidence in retail sales figures. Maybe not as confident as we were you know, back in the third, fourth quarter of last year, but certainly it's not you know, Armageddon-style fear that you saw last year. And um, that's one reason why you could, in theory, hold on for much longer. I think the government faces a really big decision now because, um, in theory, it could wait until it managed to get all of those most vulnerable groups, particularly young Māori in Auckland, Northland, the Bay of Plenty and the East Coast, up over that 90% vaccination rate, particularly the first dose vaccination rate. But we're nowhere near there. And in many of those demographics, those young Māori groups, vaccination rates are 20, 30, 40% first dose. An awful lot of work still has to be done. And I've worked out in this morning's dawn chorus that uh, Auckland would need to have 14 more super Saturday-style days, so 1,888 first doses, 14 more days like that to get to 90% in Auckland. That's for the overall Māori population. For the young Māori population, it would be even more because um, there is real distrust, disconnection, and a, um, a, a lack of um, uh, resources to get those people vaccinated. And of course, there's quite a high level of anti-vax sentiment, or at least vaccine hesitancy in that community. So um, the government could choose to open up pretty soon. They could do it in the next couple of weeks. And in fact, they would have to if we're going to have the you know, classic Kiwi summer that's been talked about. The Prime Minister, three or four weeks ago, raised the prospect of a, of a good summer when she talked about vaccine certificates being available for all of these big festivals, the Rhythm and Vines and the like. Of course, in those first two, three weeks of January, that's when the big festivals happen. That's when we all have our, in theory, holidays at the beach, if you can afford to. And... Uh, if the, weather, if the weather cooperates. And that is uh, what we're all hoping for or expecting for. And of course, the government wants that as well. Um, and that's what we had last year. However, we are getting close to the crunch points. These big festivals, they're nearing their drop-dead dates. A, they need to be able to sh be sure they can get their international acts through the borders. Um, although, you know, local festivals won't be so bad. And they are, they are close to the point where they have to make decisions about whether to go ahead or not. And it's the same for many families. Um, we personally have cancelled our motel bookings for Christmas in Te Aumutu. It's, it's in Level 3. We're in Level 2 Wellington. We're not, we don't think we're going to get there before Christmas. 
But for a lot of people, they are still betting. You know, they've got their Airbnbs and their uh, booker batches all organised. They've got their flights organised. And of course, we all know that if you're travelling to the sun and the beaches, you need to go through level three areas. And at the moment, that's not possible for people outside level two, let alone the people inside level three who want to go to level two. (laughs) So those restrictions need to be removed and decisions need to be made really in the next week, two weeks, three weeks max, if it's actually going to happen. And, you know, we're looking at a first dose rate in Auckland of 90%. So on the face of it, that looks good. But of course, that's the overall rate, not the rate for young Māori and Pacifica. And there is a real risk, according to the modelling done by the DHBs in Auckland, that even with a vaccination rate of over 90% overall, you're looking at more than 5,000 cases a month which, um, given you know a good 10% of those will end up in hospital, 500 cases a month is significantly more than what we're getting at the moment and would put our hospital system under enormous stress. Now, the government has made pains to say that it has jury-rigged the system to be able to cope. Now, it probably would mean an awful lot of cancer checks and elective surgeries wouldn't be done, but it would cope, says the government. The people inside the DHB aren't so sure. And this point is is very important because it would be very difficult for the government to move ahead and open up when it knew that the hospital system couldn't cope with the likely numbers of cases that we would get. Because, of course, those people were unvaccinated in Auckland in particular, but it would spread quickly to Northland and the East Coast. That is um, that is awful. You know, We're talking... Uh, if you look at the numbers of uh, people, you're talking um, over 50,000 people are at risk of getting COVID, uh, many of them young. And of course, what we know that the current version of COVID does lead to long COVID, particularly amongst younger people. By my calculations with the current vaccination rates, and if we go ahead with an opening up for the summer, you're looking at tens of thousands of young Māori potentially facing long COVID. So that's the decision the government has to make. Does it open up now or does it take the political and the economic, although that's not so great, and the social pain of effectively cancelling summer in the hope of letting the um, young Māori and the Māori vaccination rates generally get towards 90%? Or does it um, decide to uh, to open up now and then just live with the consequences, politically at least. It's a really important decision, similar in a way, I think, to the one that was made on March the 23rd last year. We all recall that, recall that desperate few weeks in March when COVID was, first version of COVID, goodness help us if it was Delta then, but uh, the first version of COVID was overwhelming um, Europe's um, hospital systems, and we had an extra few days to make a decision about what to do. Now, everyone else's democracies basically couldn't decide fast enough to lock down hard enough, and so it got out, and it hurt them. The worst example, of course, is Britain, and if you want to find out what went wrong there, uh, have a look at a parliamentary report out, which is absolutely scathing about the poor decision-making of the um, Boris Johnson government. Now, our government, um, against all odds really, decided to lock down hard and early, which on the face of it was an economically really painful thing to do. At that point, a lot of people thought we were going to have an economic depression. And on the face of it, at that point, a lot of people were framing these decisions around health versus economy. 
can be locked down, it's good for our health, but it wrecks the economy. And that's the way the rest of the world has seen it. However, accidentally on purpose, it turned out for us that health equaled economy. By locking down hard, uh, it meant that our lockdown was short and sharp, but we bounced back very quickly out of it. And the government and the Reserve Bank did a bunch of things which meant that the economy bounced back very strong. There was lots of spending. The housing market went ballistic and um, we got back on the horse pretty quickly. In fact, our economy is now bigger now than it was just before COVID, which is unlike most other economies in the world. And so it turned out that decision back in March last year actually showed not that health was versus the economy, it was that health equaled the economy. Because if you had very limited COVID outbreaks, very limited deaths, hospitalizations, fear about going to do things, uh, your economy bounced back really strong. So uh, we've gone in with the same approach with Delta, so that when it broke out, we went for a, uh, or we hoped, a short and sharp lockdown. And maybe with the original version of COVID, it would have worked, but not Delta. And that's the problem. It is now strung out and the government capitulated a couple of weeks ago and took Auckland down to level three. And we can see in the numbers coming through in the last couple of weeks, there has been a significant increase. The R value is over one. And uh, only last week, the officials are talking about a doubling of cases over the next couple of weeks and um, uh, significant new hospitalizations coming. So the government, if it was pursuing the elimination strategy, which we know it's dropped, uh, would, in theory, uh, put the restrictions back up to level four, and there's a bunch of people calling for that. But it chose, because of the exhaustion and the political pain of staying in restrictions through to Christmas, which is what we'd need to really get rid of or at least suppress COVID to very small levels, that um, it just couldn't do that. Now we're in a position... Uh, where later this week we're going to hit 90% first dose average vaccination rate for Auckland. So it could be argued that we've hit that 90% target and the government might argue that it, the hospital system can cope. But the problem is if we do that, we're essentially sacrificing uh, many lives in the most vulnerable communities and we are throwing into long COVID tens of thousands of young Māori and Pacifica. Although it's really good to see uh, that the young young Pacifica vaccination rate has surged ahead of the, of uh, getting closer to the national rate and is ahead of the Maori rate. Now, um, the other thing that's going on, of course, is a lot of politicians and a lot of people who are double vaxxed and who want to get on with their lives, saying, you know, uh, why should we be held hostage by a whole bunch of losers and laggards and loonies who won't get vaccinated because they believe Facebook more than they believe a bunch of doctors. And, you know, why should uh, we have to not have a summer, let alone not get back to normal-ish lives, um, when a bunch of people who we don't know, who seem to be um, not part of my community, who, um, you know, I can accuse of being uh, uh, lazy or ill-informed or stubborn, why should I... Uh, wait for them. And that's the argument that essentially um, is being made by David Seymour, and I've included quotes from him in today's uh, edition of the Dawn Chorus. My view is that the government should wait 
and work as frantically as it can to get as many young Māori vaccinated as possible before it eases those restrictions further and come out and say that and be honest and open about it. It will, of course, get an enormous blowback from middle New Zealand who feels that um, this these communities are not their communities, which is a pity because for a period in March last year, we felt we were all in this together. What I think the government's likely to do, and all the signs are in the last two or three weeks, in fact, really since the beginning of the year, is that when push comes to shove, the government will choose to go with the majority of New Zealanders, those median voters who are double-vaxxed and want to move on. And we've seen that in a couple of decisions in the last six to eight months or so. Firstly, in March, when Māori health experts argued that the vaccination program should prioritise Māori. Instead, the government chose, um, and you can see why from a political point of view, chose to prioritise by age group and by medical condition. And that's a very sciencey way to look at it. You could argue just as, just as easily that um, the Māori community also had as higher risk collectively as those with medical conditions or those who are older. But the government chose not to be seen to be prioritising one ethnic group over another. And that was, um, in the view of Māori health experts, a bad decision, as, as much because it also delayed the uh, engagement with a lot of Māori community groups and delayed resources going to those groups who were actually able to reach those people who needed vaccinate, vaccinating. And you've seen various um, specific cases, localised cases, where very well resourced and connected local Māori groups and GPs and various community um, uh, groups have been able to reach those people and get vaccinations up over 80-90%. Tekaha, for example, and there are various other communities like that, but not overall. And we've had this horrible situation where, for example, the Waipareira Trust has had to go to the High Court to get data from the Ministry of Health so it can actually reach the unvaccinated Māori to know where they are and what their phone number is. So um, the government has made that choice in March. That's an indicator of the choice it's about to make. And you could argue the same was made on September the 23rd when the government chose to take Auckland down from level four to level three, even though we had not eliminated COVID. And it was clear, according to much of the evidence, that taking Auckland down from four to three would see the number of cases increase. And that is exactly what's happened. The government didn't go and speak to its independent advice group when it made that decision. Effectively, it was a quite political decision. Um, understandably, you know, there's an awful lot of exhausted Aucklanders and the majority would probably have said that that was the right decision. But sometimes, and we saw this in March last year, you can make a decision which is in the short term bad politically and which seems bad uh, uh, from an economic point of view, but in the long run is better for you because it shows that you won't move forward without everyone moving forward. Unfortunately, I think the government's going to take the um, politically expedient option to open up and to essentially uh, move on ahead of the stragglers. And that's a bad decision, I think, in the long run. And um, it doesn't mesh with the values 
the government espoused back in March and which the, gov the government and many people in the government would see themselves as holding. And I think in the long run that will be damaging, not just socially, politically, but also economically. The most um, productive and um, fast-growing group in New Zealand are young Māori, and unfortunately this decision with these low vaccination rates will mean tens of thousands of them are essentially sentenced to long COVID. That's um, that's my dual and chorus today. Um, now we'll see. I could be it could be wrong about the decision. The, the, the government may choose to hang on and um, make the case that we need to wait for everyone to catch up. Um, sort of hope they do, but I doubt they will, given the sorts of noises we're hearing from Chris Hipkins, who said over the weekend that um, the MIQ restrictions are likely to be eased sooner sooner than uh, sooner than later, and um, the nationwide enthusiasm about the vaxathon yesterday on Saturday will no doubt be a a real positive for the Prime Minister to argue that you know we're almost there okay what else happened in the news on the last few days I'll keep it brief because we're getting up in time uh, we've seen China launch a hypersonic nuclear capable weapon now this is one that um, rather than go over the North Pole to hit America it would go around the back uh, over New Zealand around the South Pole at three times the speed of sound and hit America uh, in part because it's very maneuverable and uh, vast and wouldn't be able to be caught or shot down by America's current systems America and Russia don't have these hypersonic systems, but this is a potentially destabilizing move. Okay, that's the other big news. I'm going to um, jump on now. One thing, though, to know that I'll be at the four o'clock presser, and I welcome your questions and comments below. Kakite no. I'm Bernard Hickey. It is Monday, the 18th of October. That was a dawn chorus on the Kaka.